0: got really deep on a podcast about Glee. I did not expect this.
1: G- Glee Glee's the one that started talking about things like domestic violence and school shootings and things like that. So
0: at least Degrassi never pretended to be a musical comedy.
1: You're listening. Glee on the Rocks. Hi everyone. Uh welcome to another episode of Glee on the Rocks. I am B. I'm Mandy. And today we have a super special guest from the wonderful zany and clever podcast Let's Remake a Movie. Uh, our guest Sean. Welcome, oh, Sean. Thanks so much for having me here today. Yeah, so um tell us a little bit about the podcast. What should everybody know?
0: (laughs) So what everyone should know about Let's Remake a Movie is uh, we basically take every uh, bar discussion or, uh, you know, what if session that you've had with your friends over the years where you say, you know, what if we took these two movies and mashed them together? Or, you know, who would win in a fight between Superman and Goku or something like that? What we do is we basically take the premise of a movie and we say, what if we change it up a little bit? So We've done everything from uh, what if Indiana Jones had to fight Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, to uh, what if the Griswold family took their Christmas vacation at the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. So basically, we take you know two relatively classic movies and just make them as ridiculous as we can.
1: Yeah, I had so much fun listening to y'all's episode of Pineapple Express and Inception. <laughs> Inception. I had such a great time listening to that one. I could really see it. It would
0: really work. It's one of those. We find that typically if you get a movie that's ridiculous, it doesn't matter if it's serious, ridiculous like Inception or, um, you know, just funny, ridiculous like Pineapple Express. As long as there's some sort of common denominator between the two in terms of how over the top they can be, then you're always going to have a good time with it. Ah, So there's a science to remaking a movie. A little bit. you always got to find something that the two of them have in common, whether it's, uh, you know, a style or a setting like a Christmas vacation and a winter setting in The Shining, for mm. instance. Uh, you know, as long as there's a little bit of overlap, we can sort of massage the two of them together. That makes yeah, sense.
2: That, the Shining one is uh, one that I listened to most recently, and I loved the characterization of <laughs> Chevy Chase like versus Jack it,
0: That was we had gone back and forth on that. And uh, part of that was because uh, one of our co-hosts, my friend Laura, uh, very much hates Stanley Kubrick, uh, which is very uh, very much on (laughs) display in that episode. Um, So, you know, just sort of the sheer, you know, energy from that, you know, sort of nerd rage that she got into Mm -hmm. definitely helped to, you know, sort of as well push forward that, uh, you know, manic energy that's always in either Chevy Chase or Jack Nicholson Mm -hmm. in either of those movies. So, we got lucky with that one that uh, we also happened to uh, press a nerve with her, I suppose.
1: <laughs> awesome. Um, well, of course, coming on Glee on the Rocks. Glee. We got we to gotta talk yep. about it. So we, we talk about <laughs> our fandom past from, for Glee quite a bit. So um, sure. let's tell the people where you're coming from. Are
0: you a Gleek? I am a Gleek or Ooh. you know, probably more accurately was a Gleek. Uh, former it, Gleeks, yep. <laughs> former Gleek as it were. Uh frankly it came out uh, when I was about sixteen years old, you know, definitely a you know, nerdy theater kid, you know, always a little bit of an outcast, so Uh, I was basically uh, the people they were depicting on the show. So I remember watching it for the first time being like, Oh, my God, I see myself. (laughs) Um, You know, obviously, just without all the cheesy dance numbers and occasionally problematic experiences. But nevertheless, it was a show that was near and dear to my heart when it first came out. And, you know, which I followed along. Uh, pretty religiously and through college I forget exactly uh, where I fell off but uh, Mm. you know since then thanks to things like Netflix I've definitely and things like a quarantine I've definitely been able to play catch up as it were and I remembered how much I enjoyed it unironically
2: yeah I think a lot of people played catch up with Glee uh, over the quarantine yeah that was one of those shows I saw like quite a few people breaking out to like marathon through
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's sort of like, you know, I had to look back knowing on, you know, all of the drama that surrounded the cast in the years since then to see how it holds up. And it's like, you know, oh, you were so young and innocent before everything went wrong. You know what I mean? So, you know, it was kind of bittersweet in that way, but I still love the show. So you have seen season six. It's been a little while, but I have seen. <laughs> well,
2: that's okay. Yes. Our, our tagline, and this this started especially for me and Emily, since uh, B came on the podcast a little bit later. But it's we haven't seen season six either. All right. So eventually, uh, so eventually, in the run of the podcast, and at that point, Emily and I, at least, will be reacting to things we haven't seen.
0: No, I, I, I you can you can take your time on that one. No rush. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: We're we're not in a hurry. We're
0: no. Where's the our
2: way there? Yeah.
0: No, there's, uh, I mean, we all know what to expect when it comes to Glee, but, uh, you know, I, I will say it's a pretty, uh, I, it's a pretty good ending for what the show was, I will say that much.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I've only seen it once in like a binge watch kind of way, so it'll be fun to critically pick it apart because it was it was also many years later and for on sure. Netflix just rewatching the whole thing, so it'll, yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. We'll have to bring you back for season six, because I think that would be
0: truly a great time. to just. I'd be glad to. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. No, it's almost like it was the same way how looking back on this episode, I was kind of like, uh, ooh, some of this was a little uh, troubling at the time. Um, yeah. Or at least would be to modern sensibilities. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. no, but it still reminded me how much I love the music that they put together and the arrangements I always thought were fantastic, regardless of what else was going on. Yeah.
2: That's how, that's how Glee, like, kept you pulled in.
0: Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. That was a, uh, I remember, you know, probably my first really hardcore memory associated with Glee is uh, as uh, you know, I'm from upstate New York. So as my mother and I were driving all over, uh, you know, the vast expanses of, uh, you know, forests and wasteland and stuff like that on my college search uh, we had the season one uh Glee CD, that mm. the CDs were a thing. Uh And we, it was, you know, one piece of music that we could agree on. So it was a CD <laughs> that we basically, uh you know, wore out the 12 songs or however many were on it, you know, over the course of, you know, hours upon hours of, you know, very boring road trips was saying along to that, uh, that CD. So I'll always wow. have fond memories of that, you know, at least the early seasons and then moving on into the, you know, little bit wackier seasons, (laughs) um, you know, but they still bring back good feelings. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Wacky definitely describes the place we're at with the episode that that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah. Let's get into it. So we always start with giving the listeners a little um, description of the episode, because let's be real, we didn't all go back and watch these. Um, But (laughs) today we're talking about um, season three, episode 20, Props. Um, so it aired on May 15th, 2012. It's directed by and written by Ian Brennan, one of the original showrunners, R.I.B. Um, and this is a description from Google, which is not entirely accurate as usual. With the nationals looming, the kids prepare a high concept routine. When Tina bumps her head in rehearsals, her new directions world is turned upside down. Apropos of nothing. Um, but yeah, (laughs) so props. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's about a third of what happens in the show, I think.
1: (laughs) They're consistently terrible with leaving out most of the the actual A (laughs) and B plot every single time. We're like, "Mm, that's. and Tina doesn't even bump her head in rehearsals. That's not even correct. So, you know, whatever.
2: (laughs) The person that wrote those didn't watch Glee either. Didn't watch Glee. (laughs)
0: Nope. Nope, they watched the trailer the next time on Glee. That's right. There's like, you can't make me watch it. You can't
1: make me watch it. Yep. Um, so, what were our overall impressions? Initial thoughts?
2: Like, I'll be uh, honest, it was not as funny as I remembered. <laughs> I, I think some of that comes down to my perception of some of the actors now, because mm. mm-hmm. like, there's always that that thing when watching this show, particularly the show has had so many tragedies, and then like, mm, I don't know, not quite tragedies, but things better left untalked mm-hmm. about that. Scenes just hit a little different now, but some of the actors were really funny at doing their like impressions of each other.
0: Yes. Yeah. It
2: had moments.
0: I will say I did like the conceit of the whole body swap kind of situation because I think it gave them a good opportunity to uh, basically make fun of themselves in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it's just even the little things like, um, you know, when they cut to um, the body swapped uh, kids uh, after Tina does her big number, um, and Joe as Mike Chang just does this little pop and lock, yes, yes. uh, because that's all he does. Uh, and in the same way that, uh, and I think you two touched on this, um, you know, in talking about Blaine's hair gel, um, <laughs> and basically how, you know, it's a joke that, you know, everybody hates Blaine's hair, but, uh, you know, I think to some extent, cause Ryan Murphy is obviously aware of criticism against his shows, I think having him as Puck and just having him have the mohawk, you know, is the most shocking, you know, <laughs> hair transformation possible is sort of like saying, yes, we get it. So here you go. Deal with this now.
2: <laughs> Truly. Yeah, really... Ryan Murphy is very good at trying to give people not what they want, but no. something a step worse so they stop
0: complaining. Agreed. Yes. No, and I agree as well mm-hmm. that sort of looking back on. Knowing what happened to the actors afterwards, and just, you know, mm. knowing about the backstage drama with Leah Michelle, and knowing about mm. all the things that happened uh, with Puck after the show ended, it does make it, it, it sort of makes those more poignant moments where it's sort of like, I, I'm not sure I want to sympathize with you all that well, but you're doing mm. a very good job in this moment.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It's like you can't you can't unknow what you know that happened after the show, but right. sometimes they pull you in anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. Espe- especially if the whole thing is also um, about, you know to some extent, a critique of Rachel being a diva and hogging the airtime, then it's sort of like in many ways, I think, at least I remember when I first watched this episode, is Tina was saying a lot of what I was thinking at the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just, you know, I remember thinking, yes, that's awesome. You know, finally somebody is, you know, sticking up for her and, you know, saying all the things that, you know, I've been thinking that it's sort of like, well, she could really treat these people better. But, you know, which did make it a little bit disappointing when she sort of, you know, backed off it afterwards. But I see what they were doing there.
2: Yeah. And I'd forgotten that. Like, I'd forgotten kind of how it ended. I remember the plot of the episode, but not that Tina ends up kind of just like, backtracking totally i
0: know i was
2: i was a little i was disappointed in her yeah like, you know, you, know you, you were on the right path
0: yeah that's exactly it it's sort of like nothing she said was wrong mm-hmm. um and also just again uh, this is trying to divorce the personal drama knowing how apparently leah michelle treated some of her co-stars on mm-hmm. the show I, i'm sure some of that uh resonated very closely but uh you know but at the same time it was certainly a very satisfying moment for a character who was underused at that point i think who had a great voice but you know definitely could have been heard more
2: so do you think that because um, as we're fond of saying um glee is not a documentary <laughs> uh, do you think there was any sort of like low-key like, insinuations in the writing that that was sort of like reflecting how leo michelle actually was in real life
0: Oh gosh. Uh, well, like you said, it's not a documentary, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think, think anybody who's ever done a Glee club, high school theater, anything like that, has known a Rachel Berry at some point in their lives. Mm. Uh, and sometimes they've been that Rachel Berry, but that's not really there. Uh, <laughs> um, I-, I would say that um, I-, I would be hard pressed to say that um, the writer themselves are sort of putting in digs for the actors on purpose. I think it's more. In this case, life imitating art, where you have a diva playing kind of a diva character. Um, mm, yeah. You know, I'm, you know, just trying to think of how uh, how that first script read would have gone if uh, Leah Michelle <laughs> thought it was personal. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Rachel ends up looking pretty good in the end. Um, yeah. So maybe she she would take it. No, no, Always well that ends well.
2: Just like at oh, the true. end, be like, all right, yeah, no, this can stay.
1: Right. Because we yeah. do open the entire episode so the That's What You Missed on Glee is actually all about Tina.
0: Actually, she kind of got ignored last year, too. Actually, Tina's sort of been ignored the whole time, and she's been in the new direction since, like, forever. The first time she got a solo, she insisted she was bad and forced Mr. Shu to give the song to Rachel, and every solo since, she's either gotten booed or started crying uncontrollably. No one noticed that she went from dressing punk to dressing goth to dressing like a go-go dancer in 60s swinging London. She even got Mike Chang into college, and she hardly got a thank you. Sometimes people don't even seem to know her name. Girl Chang, Tina Blowing Wang. Asian horror
1: movie. And that's what you missed. On Glee. which is interesting they've never i don't remember a time that they use that as like a comedic plot device almost mm-hmm. once in a while you know but really funny to hear like the little voiceover and all the clips of um glee being very self-aware that yeah. uh tina is a background character and tina even says in the episode she's like i've been here since the first day i was doing sit down you're rocking the boat um and <laughs> typical glee fashion that by the end of the episode it's like okay and now we'll never talk about that again and nope. <laughs> we right back to the way it was and it's fine um but tina does cause a pretty big stink in the glee club um saying you know Rachel gets all the solos and I don't get any respect basically even though I've been here the whole time and mike is mad at her about that um i had a lot of just um not great feelings about the way the whole plot went down because i feel like tina had a point like right Ra- rachel's not even auditioning for solo she's just getting them that's not how glee club should work in my opinion but
0: uh, is I rachel very really just that special i i agree i thought uh the whole scene with um with mike the confrontation in the hallway afterwards i, I was having a hard time seeing where he was coming from um yeah. in so far as, you know, him saying, you know, more or less wait your turn, which, you know, obviously if there's been some indication that uh, your turn is coming, that's one thing, but uh, I've never, I never saw that with uh, Tina in particular. It just seemed like uh, in a way she was absolutely right in terms of she was feeling like she was being used as a prop. Right. Um, and to some extent, you know, Mike as the lead dancer, I think he would have been perfectly within his right to say, so do I, but uh but yeah, I had a really, I, I had a hard time seeing his point of view there. Um, it, it does seem that at least as far as, you know, Matthew Morse and Mr. Shoe goes that uh, Rachel is that special. But uh, right. yeah, as far as in the grand scheme of things, it does seem a little bit, well, you know, not a little bit. It does seem unfair. Um, mm. I think she's, you know, got some perfectly valid grievances to voice there. And it was interesting to me that Rachel's response to her
1: was like, Do you have any idea how difficult it is to be me? It's exhausting being me. I wake yes. up my oh my god, and I do all this stuff and I have to be always ready for a solo or whatever. And it's just like so far removed from reality that it's just like just even more laughable than it could be. Because it's like, what high schooler? In what world? Like even, I don't and, know.
0: And then she offers her 50 bucks to back off. Like, yes. you... <laughs> I'm, I don't know if I can curse on this podcast, but uh, oh, yeah, I feel like, okay. <laughs> bitch. Bitch <laughs> was the word I was going for. Yeah, definitely a bitch.
2: <laughs> well, I guess at least she didn't send her to a crack house like
0: she did time. <laughs> oh did my God, I someone? forgot. About that. Yeah. <laughs> no. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> on the scale of bribe to crack house, it's very low on the
2: yeah. list. You can tell she <laughs> considers <laughs> Tina a friend. Yeah. <laughs>
0: by treating her less crappily than she does yeah. some of her other friends <laughs>
1: yeah oh god yeah she doesn't make her transfer schools i guess that's
0: something no <laughs> <laughs> oh god i forgot about that too jesus <laughs> oh.
1: um okay so tina being really upset still about rachel it does not take rachel's 15 bucks <laughs> He's no. still upset with Rachel, texting Mike um, and fighting with him about Rachel, which was also nonsensical, honestly. I can't think of any Rachel Berry type that I encountered in high school that anybody would want to defend. Even, you know, it was like, okay, she's talented and we hate her. We all know this. Like, <laughs> But I digress. Um I'm trying to get us in the body swap thing. So Tina's at the mall. She's picking up fabric. Apparently in the Glee Cup, they make the younger members sew their costumes. That's not a thing
0: uh no yeah. no
1: Glennon, that's not a thing um they don't just become skilled seamstresses because they're being hazed um
0: but <laughs> i do theatrical costume design i needed to spend a long time working on that i wouldn't give it to a 13 year old kid to work on
1: yes it, thank you thank you it's not like you can just those dresses were complicated too they had multiple yeah. fabrics and parts and ruching and no
0: way i credit um, to them they did look like they were doing a very good job at that right <laughs>
1: But um, Tina, distracted by her rage at Rachel, falls in the fountain at the mall and hits her head. And so she runs into Curtain Blaine before that. And when she comes out of the fountain, suddenly Curtain Blaine or not Curtain Blaine?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did love or this they first are, moment. But not. It's yes. so
1: good. this This episode has a treasure of Blaine moments, which um, I don't know if you know. We're big Blaine fans over here. Um, oh, I so, feel that. <laughs> uh, So I was. Delighted, enjoying myself, but um, yeah. So instead of um, Darren Chris playing Blaine, now it's Mark Salling playing Blaine <laughs> instead of um, Chris Culver playing Kurt. Now it's Corey Monteith playing Kurt, which was a hilarious swap. I gotta say that that was inspired. I think. Um, so I guess my question is, who was your favorite swap and why? <laughs>
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I got to say that uh, the claim swap, uh, honestly, just as somebody who, you know, in high school, you know, was sort of like, oh, you know, Puck and Finn would be an interesting couple. Uh, yeah. It did let me have that it's... fantasy for a moment. So I'm like, yeah, oh, that's actually kind of nice. Um, I like <laughs> them. And, uh, yeah, why not? Um, you know, I can remember being on Tumblr. I'm sure that if I were on it at the time, yep. they would have been all over this episode. But um... we were. Okay. <laughs> Uh, But I would say that um, for me, it's the little moments like the um, I would say probably uh, Mike Chang and uh, Joe swapping, because like I said, I think when we were just getting started, but just the little pop and lock that he throws in because, you know, he's got to show that he's Mike Chang somehow. And that's how he's going to do it. Um, And also just um, probably uh, Mercedes and Artie as uh, (laughs) just because it's sort of like this is the weirdest couple ever, but I am about it. I didn't
1: remember. I was, I started watching the episode and my wife came in to watch it with me and she was like, wait, who plays Santana? And I didn't remember. And <laughs> then the scene came on where it's Artie and I was like, babe, it's fucking Artie. And then we watched the whole episode together because we were dying laughing, yes. specifically at. Oh. <laughs> at Kevin McHale and his Santana impression it was so good
2: that that was my favorite swap especially like um they did some little behind the scenes things where they were just like talking to the actors as they were like swapped yes watching Naya and Kevin (laughs) as each other (laughs) like Naya did a whole like tour of all of her like arty accessories she was wearing
1: my pants are so high
2: and, uh, she got the
0: orthopedic shoes yeah, going.
2: They're comfy. I got my glasses, my swoop bag, mm-hmm. my grips. And Kevin was just like, I got this ponytail. Kevin has a ponytail.
0: Uh, that's basically the only resemblance between <laughs> <laughs> Santana and myself. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the ponytail. Just like, the what ponytail. <laughs> I'm like, this is the weirdest thing to see ever, and I love everything about it. <laughs>
1: Uh, one of my favorite swaps which was all background work they didn't have any plot at all in the body swap scene was um uh quinn and sugar um yes. <laughs> diana agron <laughs> yeah. was working it <laughs> yes she was and same thing vanessa Lynch was so good as quinn i thought they just gave it everyone just gave it 150 yeah. percent. whether they were in the background or the foreground and it was just incredible like
2: they, they were having fun um yeah in, in like the behind the scenes stuff um, um diana's also like she's fully in character i'm just really excited to see
0: you.
2: i can't even tell if she's in character as sugar or vanessa but <laughs> but she is just like bopping around like kevin and naya and having fun with it
0: I will I also it. say that uh, as a teenager, I had a huge celebrity crush on Vanessa Lengies for a while. Yes. And then subsequently when Glee came on, I had a huge celebrity crush on Diana Agron. So it did allow yep. me for a moment to be like, yes, yes. yes. I, yeah. Living
2: I am a, the resident Diana obsessed. Like, yes. She's pretty and I want to marry her.
0: Um, me too. But it's sorry. like, do I want to marry her? Do I want to be her? I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Diana Agron was many a Tumblr user's gay awakening. Yes. I remember this very distinctly. Yes,
2: she, mm-hmm. she wasn't quite my awakening, but you
0: know, <laughs> <still my strongest. laughs> that woke me in a different way. I guess.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Lasting
1: obsession—that's for sure. Exactly. No.
2: Yeah. Um, I, oh yeah. I also, um, while we're specifically talking about the swaps, um, the mm-hmm. fact that puck and finn as carton blaine were cuddlier than actual yes
0: i know Fuck that. <laughs> had more chemistry at some points i know i'll also the shoulder thing i remember being pissed it's fine <laughs> i've gotten over it <laughs> i did also yeah. love matthew morrison in the tracksuit
1: oh my god mm-hmm. the sue and shoe was probably yes. okay that one really is the best i think because they went so hard
0: and they didn't have to but they did for us <laughs> And it's also the moment you realize, wow, they actually have basically the same haircut because they have done <laughs> nothing here. <laughs> they were so interchangeable when um,
1: Matthew Morrison as Sue like put his fingers in his
0: ear. yeah.
1: <laughs> every moment, everybody was working it so hard. And I appreciated them. It was such sure. a great, like, truly, like, cast episode. I think it, it just reminded me how much I loved the cast members and how that kept mm. me watching Glee way after I probably <laughs> should have. <It> wonderful. <laughs> okay, so at, because Tina in the um, in the body swap is Rachel, she gets to have a solo. And, With, yeah.
0: I was going to say, and she kills it.
1: And she yeah, kills it. She does. With a little encouragement from uh, Chris Colfer as Finn.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where he's like, afterwards, we're going to make out because your boobs look slightly bigger today for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that, that yeah. could be my favorite line of the show. <laughs> it
1: was so funny. I was like, Chris, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, kills it. Um, What is she saying? Um.
0: Uh, celine dion Mm -hmm. yep because he loved me because you loved me
2: such a great song and i do love the fact that the joke about um her never getting a solo gets to continue on because technically it wasn't
0: her yeah (laughs) but it does also show i think that basically she has a voice that is on the same level as rachel just because mm-hmm. she murders that number the same way that Rachel would have. So it's sort of like, yes. okay, yeah. So there's, you know, it just adds more credence to everything she said. She's like, yeah, you know, I am that good. It's like, yeah. damn, yeah, you are. Justice for Tina always. Yes. I was so intrigued by Agreed. There was like multiple times in
1: this episode, they were like, you're going to, your time is coming and you're going to get solos and you're going to be the lead female
0: vocalist. And I'm like, does that hold up? Because I, mm-hmm. I feel like it doesn't. Yeah, I don't <laughs> nah, think it does. Yeah. Extra sad. I Which, mean... Yeah. High school drama club promises are made to be broken. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, justice for Jenna,
1: that's what I really feel like. She yes. could have been on Broadway and doing something way better with her time, but I mean, yeah. we're lucky, I guess. But um, so the way that Tina switches back is she has a heartfelt conversation with Leah Michelle as Tina in the hallway, I guess, to tell herself. That she appreciates herself, yeah, for <laughs> being in the background. Like, uh-huh. But yet, somehow, it turns out to be about Rachel because they start talking about Carmen Thibodeau and her mm-hmm. bid to get into Niata. So, I don't know. I, I just felt like the narrative notes there didn't didn't make a
0: whole thing yeah. for me. It's mm. sort of like even even her, you know, personal experience is somehow about Rachel. It's sort of like. <laughs> eh. Not sure that's what we want with the message here, but uh okay, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you. Isn't that Glee in a nutshell? Somehow it's still about Rachel. Yep. <laughs> Honestly,
2: everything. it's like they had the idea for the self-aware episode, but then they were like, but wait, we're not actually going to give anyone but Leah all
0: these solos. So. <laughs> yeah, we're self-aware, but not that self-aware. Yeah.
1: We're self-aware, which means we can do it now because we yes. acknowledge that we know we're doing it, so then we can <laughs> just do it.
0: Yeah, isn't this better, guys? Uh, is it? Oh, it's sure. not. It's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but do we feel like the because after she comes out of the body swap, Tina is suddenly like, "Oh, I understand you now, Rachel. Not only do I understand you, I'm gonna help you like track down Carmen Thibodeau and make her listen to you." And it's like, do we believe that?
0: Mm, that that seemed, it, it seemed to give a lot more fuel to the fire of you don't know how hard it is to be me that Rachel <laughs> right. was giving, which, uh, I, I don't know, to me that didn't really feel all that earned or all that deserved, so I was sort yeah. of like, uh, I mean, again, I'm like, I see where you're trying to get this episode to go, I'm not sure, uh, not sure you took the best path there, we went off road a little bit. yeah.
2: And I like, they also did the self-aware kind of thing when Carbon Thibodeau is actually talking to Rachel and she's like, you know, for every time I have to delete one of your voicemails, you're taking time away from another student. <laughs> <Yes>. Right. <laughs> like, sometimes you just don't get into the program, but of course this is, you know, Rachel, so. Yeah, you
0: know, it's completely, so it's got to work out somehow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: of course yeah I I thought it was convenient that Rachel somehow knows that Carmen Thibodeau had to audition four times for Juilliard and could just like leave that as like a
0: goosebumps walk away moment of like yes "Hmm,
1: weren't you once me don't you see yourself in me
0: that is Whoopi Goldberg how dare you stand where she stood (laughs) exactly (laughs) whoopee who does an excellent job in this role i think by the way yes, she uh, she's great I yes such a great choice for that role yeah no. but i will say again as sort of unearned as it was i do think that uh it does a, it does a lot of good to show basically you know just basically how good tina is you know yeah. as a character that she really is willing to yeah. you know sort of back down and you know I think what they're trying to say is she's willing to put aside her own interests for those of the group as a whole, right. um, which I don't fully agree, because it always seems like uh, the group's interests are always magically Rachel Berry's interests. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, but I will say that it does go a long way to show her as being you know sort of the more selfless and group-oriented individual there, which I can appreciate. Right, like
2: like what you just said is very true because even in this episode like yes you know Rachel's talented giving her solos mean they might win nationals but also Rachel wants Carmen Thibodeau to hear her sing so yes right ultimately (laughs) Rachel's you know desired outcome for her own personal
0: gain Mm -hmm. Mm yes absolutely and you know it's it's odd because you know it's sort of like a You know, it it obviously it is selfish in many ways, but somehow that's not the most dramatic plot line of this episode. You know what I mean? It's Glee somehow always manages to outdo itself with the more, you know, they put the more fun, you know, they sort of invert the typical A plot, B plot Mm -hmm. structure where Mm -hmm. the A plot is usually, you know, not always, but it's a lot more light and fluffy in this episode. Whereas the B plot here is very dark and very serious. And in many ways, well done. Yeah
1: yeah and so I think that basically wraps up the Tina Rachel storyline. um, so yeah, the very dark <laughs> other storyline here is a fallout from the previous episode where yes. which was like bummer of a fucking episode oh. where um Puck fails a test, which means he's not gonna graduate, and Beast is, oh my god, being, being abused. abused by her husband, and you know tries to leave but then ends up staying
0: um so we see kind of the fallout of that i will say i think uh because i listened to the last episode of your guys's podcast about this one before Mm -hmm. coming on here and i think you guys hit the nail on the head when it was like it was like an uncharacteristically dark episode yeah that also begs a lot of questions like uh where were pucks other teachers what the hell was happening that uh suddenly his future hinges on one geography test or something like that it's you know i had a lot of questions but after i remember watching that episode for the first time being like wow that's how we're ending this yeah no but i mean obviously you know there is a little bit more hope in this i do like uh i do like the ending of the beast plot in this one at least yes yeah now this one uh i I will say it did give me uh some feelings that i wasn't used to seeing from glee shall we say it was like Mm. wow damn you go.
1: Dot Marie Jones in that scene where she leaves Cooter is incredible. Like i have chills right now. Just thinking yes. about it. She is just so impactful. And you know, it, Glee shouldn't have done a domestic violence plotline in the first place. Um, no. <laughs> but if they were going to do it, I'm glad that she was the one kind of with it on her shoulders, because I, I just think she did a, a fantastic
0: job acting that scene and making it feel really real. I will say the one moment that really got me was when, you know, in that final confrontation after she lays down the prop knife that she got from Thin or from Puck and takes off a ring and puts it on the table mm-hmm. and says, you know, That's the awful part of it. I love you. But what does that say about what I think of me? I was like, mm. oh, damn, mm. that was good. Yes. Yeah. You know, points, Ian Brennan.
1: Yes. Yeah, for what he lacked in the other storyline, I think he made up for it in <laughs> yeah. this one. Definitely, because um, it was just such an impactful scene.
2: Dot Marie Jones really can pull off things like that because, like, mm-hmm. without without jumping ahead in like the timeline of the show, like sh- she has future storylines that also mm-hmm. like don't entirely work, but right. she still manages to salvage performances out of them that individually, like scene by scene are still really emotional Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i I would say a good example of that is when she has that moment with uh puck in the locker room Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was a great scene too yes Mm -hmm. and again it's sort of like i I look at the actor and i'm like i don't really want to sympathize with you knowing everything that happened after the show but damn you guys are killing this scene right now yes um
1: I do think that was a nice way to tie up those two storylines because that is one of the main, like you said, one of the main qualms we had last episode was like, where are his other teachers? Like, where is someone else? And so Mm -hmm. Beast really is that teacher who sees him and advocates for him and is like, you're not, I'm not going to let you walk away when I can help you do something about it. And just so powerful.
0: It was. It was a little bit, uh, you know, obviously when we... It was to the point where she says that basically your teacher's going to let you retake this test because she saw how committed you were to the glee club that you'd show mm. up in a dress and get beat up over it. Uh, but you know, it, it was basically the way that she delivered the message and the whole thing about uh, both of us are badasses and people think nothing hurts us, yeah. You know, I, I was sort of like, you know, I'll overlook the you know, sort of, you know, fuzzy logic there to be like right. <laughs> yes, you are doing such a good job at this. I'm like, yes, I believe this. Disbelief suspended. I'm about it. It's true. Like this <laughs> I didn't think about it that way. I just totally bought it. But you're right,
1: it is also kind of a little bit um wonky. But yeah, I think good acting really saved it, which yeah, I think speaks to no offense to Jenna or Leah, but I felt like no. I was just confused as to
0: how that all was going down. Mm. Yes. Can't win no. them all, I guess. No. And I think obviously the, probably the actors and the more dramatic prop, uh, you know, storyline had, you know, probably a heavier load to lift in some ways in this one. Although obviously mm-hmm. doing impressions of your castmates is never easy either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I keep thinking about their mannerisms and just dying. is so funny. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, I did also really appreciate the moment where, um beast walks into uh Shu and sue's meeting and says i want to come with you um and they notice that she's carrying a suitcase and she announces yeah. that she left her husband and it's like one of very few moments you see where Shu and sue agree on something and just the mm. looks on their faces is like oh my god you actually did it i was yeah. like oh that gave me again that gave me some cathartic feelings i didn't think i could get from glee good for you yes. yeah.
1: Moments like that, where I am grateful that they kept some of the adult plot lines. Mm-hmm. I do think season three did the best job, one of the best jobs of like balancing, like having adult storylines that were impactful and intertwined with the kids' storylines and didn't mm-hmm. go too far into fake pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cough, cough.
0: Yeah. Too far into um, disbelief. Yeah, definitely. No, I I definitely agree. I think that, uh, I think season three, they really found the sweet spot of balance between, you know, the adults and Mm -hmm. the kids. And, you know, obviously they did have moments in future seasons where, you know, the adult storylines were featured, you know, in a good way, but uh, not quite at the same balance, I think, we had in this one.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, but I'm thinking like season four, I feel like the, I don't remember much about it, but, you know, Finn being quote one of the adults I think serves it well you know that he's mm-hmm. like in the adult storylines and it makes it feel much more relevant and interesting um it was always hard for them to do any adult storyline outside of the kids that was like actually made sense or like it did- wasn't just a one-off I'm thinking of like <laughs> The shoe right. Being in that
0: like acapella
1: group and stuff that, that oh, yes this.
0: <laughs> that basically served just to get puck on the show yes
1: yeah <laughs> I didn't even remember that much so that's impressive <laughs> I just like remember when he was in that embarrassing acapella group
0: <laughs> yeah the acapellas how could anybody Acafella- forget that
1: how could anyone
0: <laughs> and I only remember that because I'm like wow that is a horrible pun and now I'm never going to forget it yeah you know, it is true you can't- can't forget the worst pun you've ever heard.
1: Um, okay, so the last kind of storyline, I guess the C-plot in this episode-ish, is um, a very 2012 thing where Wade slash Unique, who is the lead vocalist of Vocal Adrenaline, who Kurt and Mercedes have encouraged to step out and perform as their female alter ego unique um is a sensation obviously she's so talented mm-hmm. and sue <laughs> who needs the glee club to win nationals so she can get the cheerios back convoluted plot line yep. um is convinced that the new directions also need a cross-dressing lead vocalist oh. and of course immediately targets kurt for this yes
0: because of course he's gay why wouldn't he be down for this yeah uh that one uh I can absolutely picture myself being you know uh, when this came out 2012, so I would have been about twenty years old and you know maybe a little bit less experienced with the world around me. I probably could have found this funny back then, but mm. uh, watching it now in twenty twenty one I'm like, ooh, that's uh that's a little icky, yeah.
1: I remember thinking that the way they handled unique was a groundbreaking at the time, which it still yes. may have been. Um, and, and you see today watching it, you're kind of like, Ew. um,
0: the he she comments and, and uh, things like yeah, that. that uh, yeah. It definitely fit into the theme of using people as props, which again, they mm. make jokes about when she says, oh, and I ordered a bunch of little people to come in and help us. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, which I think they do show up in another episode or something. Oh my God, do they? I think they do. Unless that was a strange theater dream I had in the midst of, you know, trying to read a script and also suffering from a high fever. I don't know. That would be funny. If they
1: didn't do that, that would be funny. Um, (laughs) Because she was like, I can't, I can't,
0: I already paid the deposit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Although I will say, because I think, um, you know, I I do agree that having uh, Alex Newell on the show uh, Mm -hmm. and presenting, you know, in different, you know, gender identities was pretty groundbreaking at the time. Um, You know, I think they definitely deserve credit for even just broaching the subject, which I think was a pretty hot topic at that point. Um, But then even seeing now, because I'm also a big fan of uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Yes. And seeing Alex Newell and what they've been doing since then. um, You know, it's sort of like, okay, I'm glad that they had that springboard uh, to, you know, sort of become who they are now.
1: Yeah, and I feel like they've come a long way. Um, I was kind of struck in these scenes that like Alex's acting was kind of bad. Is that yes. judgy of me? Did y'all feel that too? I was like, oh, um, but just so talented. How can you even be mad, and
0: Like <laughs> Exactly. No, and it's also, I remember watching the Glee Project when that was a thing. Yay. Yes. Um, and, and thinking the same thing. I'm like, wow, killer voice, but the acting uh, could be better. <laughs> yeah. But they Um, knew what they were getting, I guess, if that's the case.
1: Right, right. Um, Yeah, so Sue's search for someone to cross-dress. Also, she wants them to do metal grinding um, (laughs) to do the flash dance song.
0: (laughs) Which, uh, (laughs) that was ridiculous. I I don't know. (laughs) That's all I can say about that, really.
2: (laughs) The, uh, the best um, thing about that specific part was how much fun Chris Colfer looked like he was yes. having. Yes. That is absolutely I mean, like, he true. Making those sparks, like having his little moment with it.
1: I yes, think and Chris then- Colfer likes a bit of danger. He's like yeah. throwing stars, nunchucks, <laughs> metal sparks. This is his alley, yeah.
0: <laughs> but also just the way she's trying to explain choreography to them. Is-
1: Three, four, five, six, burn! Burn!
2: (laughs) Spark in time with the music.
0: Yes. It's like, uh, okay, we'll try. Okay. (laughs) It it was, you know, obviously the premise itself was a little bit cringy, but I did love, you know, just the trying to get this most outlandish choreography down was, (laughs) that, that did have me bawling my eyes out laughing.
2: I mean, yes. it was funny, and like when Glee gets those like funny moments yes. right, they they get them totally right.
0: No, they definitely when they when they make contact, they hit it out yeah. of the park. Yes.
1: Well, it was like so funny at no one's expense. Everyone yeah. got a funny one-liner like reacting to it. Yes. Um, <laughs> it was like it hit that sweet spot for musical theater nerds like us of being a reference to a musical. And it was just, yeah, a great yes, moment. I yeah. loved it. It no,
2: even that- had a funny Britney line, which like we talk about often on here, like Some of the times Britney's lines are genuinely funny and some of them are like that's like what are you trying to do? Like she jokes about things like being raped at camp and stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Not funny.
0: But her saying
2: that like she took her mask off because the sparks are how you get freckles.
0: (laughs) That made me laugh. That and the um and again, I can see why it's you know a problematic line. But then them going into the teachers' lounge later and saying, uh, "Well, we're gay, so if you kick us out, it's a hate crime." Yeah. (laughs) Yes, a classic Santana. I love that. Yes. So, well, I'm not completely gay, but I see what you're getting at. (laughs) Just the (laughs) deadpan.
1: Yeah. Oh man. Um. So, in the end, the the drag slash props um, storyline, as I wrote it in my notes, was kind of convoluted because, uh, I don't know, maybe you guys understood more, but I was, like I said, I was watching it with my wife, and the, Kurt's like, oh, I have an idea, but then what was his idea just to go film Vocal Adrenaline uh, rehearsing, I guess, and show them the video, and that was it? I don't know, and then that leads to the pro I I don't know I didn't really understand what that was all about someone help me (laughs) was the the point just uh vocal adrenaline's really
0: good so we need to get our act together I guess I don't know that sort of seemed to be the impression that I got because like you I was sort of like that seemed like a plot line that didn't really go much of anywhere yeah
2: that was a, we need to connect this scene to this scene, and we're right. not sure how. And they still weren't sure how after they, they did.
0: still weren't mm-hmm. sure.
2: Uh, Kurt did wear a
1: very dashing sneak around outfit, though, as he does. Yes. So that was yes. my
0: Kurt's yes, hand hard over here. was like, yeah. all right, it served yeah. its purpose. Um, very much James Bond, always looking suave no matter what's going on, even if it's totally inappropriate for what he's doing. Always.
1: Always an excuse to wear a great outfit. That's my guy. Yep. Um, yeah. So in the end, Rachel and Tina get to sing their duet together. Not that anyone hears it, because uh, they're just <laughs> singing in the empty empty theater, yeah. but they sing What a Feeling from Flashdance, bring that bring that around, and, and then they go to nationals. So I, I guess, you know, they do actually talk in this episode, I just remembered as I'm saying that, about the songs they're going to choose, which is like the most foresight Glee has ever shown them have yes. for any competition yeah. ever. So
2: And them... Trying to choreograph. Yeah. We see them working on costumes ahead of time, and they actually think of a set list before they show up. Like, wow. You World
0: know, and, and they do so well without with like clearly no shown preparation before. So <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Putting in a little effort might change things this time. We'll see. Okay. Any any plot stuff we missed? Anything you guys had? I'm, uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh, is it worth mentioning Puck getting his butt kicked? Oh, he really did get – fucking Rick the Stick Nelson has been such a little side character
1: this season.
0: Yes. And I will say that I did feel bad for Puck in this. I'm like, oh, yeah. you poor bastard here.
1: I did I did appreciate the fact that Puck is a character, I think, has been through – a lot and mm-hmm. I do think glee was making an honest effort to try and wrap up his plot line a little bit um yes And showing his growth. And I I mean getting in a fight doesn't seem like growth on the surface. I don't know if it generally is. But I I did have kind of a narrative strong moment. Where he gets back up. And I mean not when he draws the knife. But you know he did get back up. And like wanted to you know. Didn't want to go out as a loser. You know he wanted to prove to someone that he's not a loser. Not the right way to go about it. But I do think since the whole show like started with him throwing kids in the dumpster, Kurt specifically, the fact that mm-hmm. he got thrown in a dumpster kind of here at the end of his narrative arc, I think was, I think that they were, they were trying to show some like. Narrative.
0: It was a nice touch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It came full mm-hmm. circle in a way. And, yeah. and I will say that it also showed some emotional growth when he did his whole duet with beast, mm-hmm. um, which, mean. you know, this, yeah. And this is somebody who is not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but that, I think they got exactly the right message with that song where it's a little bit like, yeah, you kicked my ass. But you know what? I'm moving on to bigger and better things now. Mm -hmm. And all you're ever going to be is, you know, Rick the Stick. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Yeah. It's not like Rick the Stick. Nelson is getting out of Lima or doing anything with his life. Like, (laughs) who are you to call someone a Lima loser, (laughs) my dude? Dude, you've got a mullet in 2012.
0: (laughs) Get over yourself. (laughs)
1: Right. Like, what big future are you going to have? manager
0: mm-hmm. at the Walmart. Like that's all you can hope for. Uh, <laughs> at, having spent 6 years in retail, he is 100% that manager that takes his job way too seriously. Yes, definitely.
2: <sighs> so one of the notes I made was just about the the storyline where um Sue wants Kurt to be in drag. And I don't know, the, the fact that Blaine is not brought up at all. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. this is entirely on the more effeminate gay, I yes. say, from like Sue's perspective.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That just, I, I don't know. It annoyed me.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that. And I know she tried to chalk it up to the, oh, you were snooky for Halloween last <laughs> year. Uh, which one, how would you know that? Uh, but right. two, yeah. so what? Um, you know, I, I think definitely. You know, he says the right thing when he's like, just because I'm gay doesn't mean I'm, you know, down to do this Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, You know, which I can respect. But yeah, that was something when I was watching. I'm like, oh, that's that's icky.
1: Yeah. And the fact that Blaine doesn't even really get any lines. He gets like half a line and like some facial expressions about it. And it's like Mm -hmm. (sighs) Sue's homophobia has been moderate to mild all the time you know like she's always got something to say to someone about Mm -hmm. their sexuality and it's like she calls them porcelain and it's just another thing like yeah typical glee there's always a plot line (laughs) that like actually concerns queer people and the queer people don't get to discuss it Uh, no beyond like one throwaway
0: line such bullshit yeah especially with you know, a queer producer, a queer creator, yeah. a queer actor for Sue, um, another queer actor and Chris Colfer. It's sort of like, you know, I, I do question, you know, what sort of conversation was had in the writing room or after that first read through. It's like, uh, guys, are we sure we want to play this for laughs here because this uh, this doesn't sound right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it, it almost always is. Played for yeah, laughs. it's
2: Glee doing typical Glee and like dancing all around what could have been a good point and not mm-hmm. quite landing it.
0: Exactly, exactly, and it's it's sort of like it's meant to be a joke, but she plays it so seriously that it's yeah. hard to take it as a joke. So, yeah. you know, th- there needs to be a balance there, and uh, they missed the mark in this regard. Yeah. No, but also just the I forget specifically what she calls her, but. Uh, the she makes an offhanded racial remark in that same sentence too i think it's mercedes like she calls kurt porcelina and she calls her something else i forget what it's something about her skin color all uh, right but right. i was like ooh, yeah that's i was like where the hell did that come from
1: yeah sue's like nicknames for the kids are like never like it's always just straight up bullying like yeah <laughs>
2: And they, they, they again, like, try to do the self-aware thing in the episode where, like, while their body swapped, um, Matthew Morrison as, you know, Sue says something about Tina that's kind of racist, and mm-hmm. then the response is, that's kind of racist, Sue. Right,
1: but, like, right. Mm-hmm.
2: Acknowledging it doesn't make it not true in all the other scenes, you do it too. <laughs>
0: yes, and doesn't make it okay for you to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know who gave you the permission here, but this is going to sit not right with some people. Admittedly that some of those people are also not the demographic for the show. But at the same time, you know, if you're looking for a theater audience that does tend to be open minded, but also, you know, has a big queer demographic, then it's sort of like, you know, to what extent are you alienating the people that you want to sit down and watch every week? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah but they did what they did. And uh yeah. Now they're not doing it anymore, I guess.
2: And, and at the time, I think a lot of the perspective was, oh, Glee is the only show on TV doing this right, right. now. But, right. but yeah, watching it almost a decade on, it's like, well, you're not the only one doing it now. No. And here are the problems.
0: Yeah. Representation, like, yeah, is helpful, yeah. but only, you know, to an extent yeah. does it, you know, to what extent is it outweighed by problematic representation? Yeah
1: so true it's like glee was like the crumbs that we had at the time (laughs) and it's like we had to be we kind of had to be happy with it and it's like yeah i don't even think at this point you know the terms like non-binary were even in common vernacular i don't even know if transgender would have been um to some extent i'm sure but like not like main you know this was really the first kind of at least, like I said, in my experience, seemed like the first kind of iteration of putting this on primetime television and on Fox, no
0: less. Um, so... Yeah, definitely. Um, it's like we you know, had to I, be happy with it. <laughs> no, that's actually, that is something that I find that I've studied a little bit about just because I find it fascinating. And that is, um, you know, trans and uh, gender non-conforming representation in the media. And really, and this was one of the first representations that... Uh, you know was not you know either played for laughs um Mm -hmm. or was not like the outright deranged villain because you know it's great that uh well no it's not great but uh you know up until then you've got who do you have buffalo bill and norman bates and it's like well you know um but it's also not necessarily played all the time for tragedy obviously we see unique struggling with her identity and with bullying and things like that but it's also not um you know, trans America or boys don't cry where it's all about, you know, eventually somebody getting beaten up or killed for who they are. You know what I mean? Right. That's true. I got really deep on a podcast about <laughs> Glee. I did not expect this.
2: It you know, happens sometimes though. Like, you know, I
1: did oh, I
0: because like Glee yeah.
2: Glee's the
1: one that started talking about things like domestic violence and school yeah. shootings. And yeah. Where like the, yeah. Where
0: they started it. <laughs> Yeah. But, at least Degrassi never pretended to be a musical comedy true yeah. I mean I yeah. mean and if they did I missed that episode
1: <laughs> okay well I guess all there's left to do is talk about our favorites here at the end did you guys have a favorite song
2: definitely Tina Solo you were my strength, but not-
0: Uh, I would probably also say Tina Solo um, for being, you know, obviously showing off a great voice that had not been used as prominently as it had previously. So definitely Tina Solo, I would go with.
2: Yeah, this wasn't like some episodes of Glee are just like nonstop back to back songs. Yes. This one didn't feel like one. Yeah. So even like at the, when I was like making my notes, trying to think, hmm, what song was my favorite, it was kind of like none of them were like super fun fun
0: yeah i definitely
2: appreciated jenna's solo just for the unicorn that it is in the glee music catalog
0: agreed there was no don't stop believing in this one
2: right um
0: you know i will say i did really enjoy mean just for the you know one because it's like oh beast is singing that's uh doesn't happen much but you know also i thought you know the point they were trying to make hit pretty well so you know but agreed i gotta go with uh the solo number on this
1: one. Yes, because you loved me. Yeah. I I as I, after I asked you guys, I was like, wait, what even are the songs in this episode? Because there really aren't that many. There's only four. Um, I four, just looked yeah. up to to um verify with myself. Cause I was like, is that true? Yeah, there's only four. So yeah, I gotta agree with you guys. Tina's solo is definitely the best one. I will say the flash dance, what a feeling was fun to listen to. Performance they did a good not job as inspired. It, yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. that was fun that they did that little um, nod to flash dance yes okay um favorite lines
0: oh and i had one and i just lost it come back to me okay
2: (laughs) so i i gotta say like for the the funny factor um Britney and her delivery of the freckles line. I can't see through
0: this helmet. I took
2: mine off. Metal sparks in your face is how you get freckles. Just yes. like <laughs> I don't know. I maybe it's because I didn't remember like much about that scene, but it actually made me laugh. So that one's got to win. Yes. But also, Beast, just in the scene where she's holding the knife. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just like everything yes. about her face, that that yes. gets just like a special honorable mention for me.
0: Yeah. yeah. I would say, yeah, definitely the Beast line about, um, again, I'm going to butcher the exact wording, but it's, if I keep taking you back, what does that say about mm-hmm. me It's mm-hmm. definitely the most poignant. Um, and then also, Sue has a really quick, you know, just throwaway line where it's um, Beast asks if she can come to Chicago with them, um, and Sue says, you expect me to share my room? I have an executive maternity suite. You don't want to <laughs> wake the baby. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, like Just the way she says it was perfect. Uh, yes, I forgot about that. That's funny. <laughs> it's just the quickest little thing at the end that immediately gets overshadowed by Beast saying she left Cooter. Yes, uh, yeah. Which, uh, again, I don't know where the name comes yeah. from. but Cooter um, the recruiter sure let's go with that
1: <laughs> we, I don't know. they taught me meant
0: something else in my high school I don't know uh,
1: no yeah no definitely <laughs> no we've decided they picked it because it rhymes and it's that stupid <laughs> um I will say my little claim shipper heart. I forgot this was the episode where they do the they show them trick-or-treating, which is like <laughs> yeah. such such a piece of gold back in 2012. Because yes. we were so starved for any claim content it felt like. There was more here than I remember feeling like there was before. Mm-hmm. But I did not expect it to be in this episode. And so when it came on, I like screamed. I was like, ah, nothing. <laughs> like, because uh what a like little slice of life what a what a thing that says so much about those two people as characters that they're in high school going trick-or-treating in elaborate halloween costumes that they clearly handmade and um it just made me really happy and i didn't expect that so um both of their lines are just ridiculous in that scene and i love it
2: yeah I, because I am the dinosaur that's still on Tumblr, um, that is one of the Glee (laughs) things that makes its way across my Um, dash every, like, Halloween. Like, no matter how rarely I see Glee stuff on there anymore, somehow someone is going to share that
0: on Halloween. I love it. I love it. And it's also just sort of like, I mean, maybe I'm only speaking for myself here, but, you know. Being 17 years old, as I think they're supposed to be in that scene, uh, my mother would not have permitted me to trick-or-treat at that point. So I'm like, oh, just having somebody to, (laughs) you know, make these ridiculous costumes with uh, and hold hands while we go trick-or-treating at the age of 17 was like, yes, this is what I want in life. Yes. Yeah.
1: I know. Just such like a sweet... Like, it's innocent. It, it's, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like having fun for the sake of having fun and like something like dressing up elaborately is such a thing that makes sense for both of them as characters. And it's like, yeah, we should have seen more of this all the time. Like they should have had... And um, Chris Colfer himself actually is like really famous for his Halloween costumes. Actually, Darren Chris is a little bit too. So yeah. Little Glee is not a documentary moment, I guess. Uh. <laughs> um. Okay. So the last thing is our coulda, shoulda, woulda. So...
0: What what do we wish that had been different this episode? Uh, I would have wished that uh, some of the, uh, I think some of what we were talking about there, that the uh, language and representation around the queer people should have been uh, a little bit more uh, tactful. But uh, knowing that Glee is what it is, perhaps uh, that's uh, that's a little too pie in the sky. Mm.
2: Mine mine is pretty pie in the sky too, considering like the, that they were never going to actually do this, but uh, that. It had like Jenna Tina's storyline mm-hmm. hadn't ended with her like backtracking and supporting Rachel, and she had actually gotten like yes, so, uh, yes, mm-hmm. agreed. So what about yours, B? Yes, um,
1: I got yeah, I got to say I I agree with that too. I feel like there was such a strong start to Tina's storyline and. It, I hate when storylines end with but Rachel Berry's special and that moves uh, mountains like yes. that's just a, always been an annoyance for me and this one particularly ending up that way when this should have been a point for Rachel Berry to like learn
0: a lesson for real in her life and <laughs> annoying very annoying definitely so. it was a moment that could have been her being taken down a peg that uh, would have been very cathartic I think for a lot of people but uh, yeah you know but yeah. it is what it is we didn't quite get it yeah that's okay there's so there's so much
1: more that's going to happen to around that storyline that's going to bother me even more so <laughs> we'll keep it um okay so the kevin mcscale is our is our rank out of five on how, how much kevin shines in this episode kevin mcscale oh
2: a lot to do in it but, but...
1: He, he does have a ponytail so
2: yeah yes. he is hilarious so maybe like a one
1: one kevin 20 yeah. percent kevin okay one out of five
0: and Here's five it. is good one is bad right yeah exactly
1: <laughs> five kevin's is like he's got the a plot and a solo and I gotcha yeah and so we go from there same thing with the the claim decks so that one's out of ten for funsies. Um, so 10 is like they kissed and they soloed, sang at each other, and they had a plot line where they, you know, and, and a one is like, I don't know, they were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one's hard because do you count yeah. the body swap time as claim Ooh.
2: I mean, if we count what Puck and Finn did portraying claim right? then that's pretty high because I mean, we got some like full on cuddling in the. The choir room.
1: Yeah, there were two different dates featured in this episode. They went trick or treating together, and they were at the mall together, just yeah. hanging out. Because to be like... clear, Go to ahead.
0: Puck and Finn together? Is their couple named Pin or is it? It's definitely fuck. It's gotta be. Oh, okay, just making <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, I think Tumblr probably called it Pin because you couldn't yeah. find anything if you looked. For I was one hundred percent ship fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I would say if fuck counts as clean, then, uh, you know, you probably could yeah. put it a little above five, uh, maybe a six or so. But uh, otherwise, it, I'd be hard pressed to put it over a three, maybe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so maybe we compromise. We call it like a four. Sure. The middle. Yeah. yeah. Deal. Yeah. Then you can, yeah, because it's debatable. It's true. <laughs> yeah.
0: claim versus fuck. You decide.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well the body swap is so hard too because it's like is it just the actor playing a different character or is it like the actor being the character playing the other character like how deep does it go i don't know
0: would it be giving glee too much credit to think they put that much thought No, also
1: (laughs) yes no you're absolutely correct (laughs) oh anything else we missed anything else you guys want to add
0: uh, let's remake a movie on Spotify or anywhere you listen to your podcast. That's right. Yes, Sean, it's been such a fucking delight to have you on. Um, we gotta have I'd you love back to be again. Here. Yeah, I would love to, and I'd love to have you guys on to uh, do a movie mashup. I know we've been discussing some sort of musical version, perhaps, of Silence of the Lambs, but uh, we'll talk yes. specifics.
1: Yeah, little little teaser, guys. You should go follow. Let's remake a movie because you might see some familiar names and voices on there soon, making a fun mashup. Um, yeah, I noticed you guys haven't done many or any musicals yet, but you know, keep keep some in mind. We uh, yep. we're resident. Uh, well, and you, of course, as well. <laughs> of course, it, it seems like there's not enough of your um, your influence. You know what, Sean? Next time you guys do an episode, no matter what it is. <laughs> Like, but what if it was a musical? Like, I think that should be your yes. thing. You know, <laughs> pitch perfect
2: with something. Yes. Absolutely.
0: Oh, oh, yes. that'd be amazing. Yes. yes. <laughs>
2: Something else no, said in
0: college, you, yes. I, okay. I am literally at, so one of my co-hosts is Laura. I'm literally at her house right now. So I'm going to walk out this door and tell her, one, I deserve more credit. But two, yes. we need to do Pitch Perfect with something because that is brilliant. Yes.
2: yes. You will have two very excited listeners waiting for that. Definitely. Yes.
0: Definitely. So excited for it.
1: All right. Thank you so much for Thank being you. with us today, Sean.
0: Awesome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: You've been listening to Glee on the Rocks, a podcast by OTR Productions. A huge thank you to our sound editor, Adriana, and our podcasts who secretly run the show. For more episodes, download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Podchaser, and more at Glee on the Rocks. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash Glee on the Rocks. Subscribers get ad-free episodes, exclusive mini-episodes deep-diving into the fandom, salty opinions, and so much more. So until next time, that's what you miss on Glee.